Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And our title today is Leadership Case Studies, Power and Dual Relationships. Now, leadership case studies uh, are just a fascinating way to learn, fascinating way to teach. Uh, so I'll be doing this periodically. I've done it now a couple of times and gotten a tremendous response. Uh, and so, but I'm going to put these around the theme of power and dual relationships. But let me invite you to send you a case study in around leadership that you're struggling with or wrestling with. Uh, just go to www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. There's a form, a kind of an outline to help you structure it, your challenges and questions you're holding. And uh, who knows? It may make a future podcast. You would just, you'll check if you want it to be anonymous and I'll change some of the details. All right. So let me make a couple of introductory comments about power and dual relationships. Uh, and then let's jump into the case study. So it's a, it's a very challenging theme, very difficult theme, and not a lot has been written about it. And actually, uh, it came out of, for me, uh, after about, oh, probably by year 20 of being a pastor leader, uh, of, of watching my own challenges and struggles and breakdowns around power and dual relationships as we move from a tight-knit community into a larger uh, and larger church. Uh, now, I'd been part of a parachurch ministry in my early years where there was little issues of at least hierarchy formally, um, but when I got into the church world, it did really shift. Uh, prior, and we started our church, it was, we're all family, brothers and sisters, and there was just little understanding of this whole theme of dual relationships and power. And so uh, I, I spent some years, and the word is years, uh, learning and wrestling with it and asking questions of people who'd led communities, all types of communities, from monastic communities to parachurch communities to uh, every different stripe of church tradition, uh, all different sizes, parts of the country. Uh, and eventually, out of all that, uh, wrote a chapter about it in that book, uh, Emotion- The Emotionally Healthy Leader, uh, called Power and Wise Boundaries, actually. And the struggle was this, is what makes it so complex is we're not a business, we're not a corporation, we're a church. And what makes us different in the Church of Jesus Christ is we steward something called power. Uh, and we we exercise stewardship of power, which is power is basically the capacity to influence other people. It's God-given. Uh, it's a nice definition. Power is the capacity to influence. So everybody has power. Uh, and in a sense, everyone's a leader uh, to a greater or lesser degree. Everyone has influence. Uh, but for those of us in leadership in particular, uh, we carry a lot of different types of power, positional power, you know, God factor power, projected power, cultural power, all kinds of things. And uh, so it takes a lot of self-awareness, wisdom, prudence, knowing one's shadow, uh, and some mentoring to get a handle on this in your in our context. So uh, that's why it's going to be great to do some of these case studies today. And I've picked, uh, you know, a, a four or five of them that I think really grab hold of this. So and every leader finds himself also in dual relationships, uh, where we have more than one role in a person's life. A dual relationship is when I may be a person's friend, but also their supervisor or pastor or confidant, etc. Very different than a lawyer or a therapist or a doctor. It's very clear boundaries. The church can be very confusing. So again, let me encourage you. You know, in outside of this, there's a there's a, there's a very good general uh, format of 
principles and teachings in the Emotionally Healthy Leader book on the chapter in Power and Wise Boundaries. I want to encourage you to study that. It's got, it provides some solid biblical material for a framework. Uh, but here, we're going to get very specifically into applying it to some different contexts. And so I'm going to imagine we're sitting across the table. I'm talking to uh, this person. You're eavesdropping in, uh, and I trust you're going to really learn some things and see some patterns here uh, as I do this. Let's begin with the first. Uh, this comes from a lead pastor in a non-denominational church uh, where uh, this church was founded in the in the 1980s, has a rich history and you know, the gifts of the Spirit, power of God, all that, um, and a very tight family unit, sense of a family, not a sense of CEOs or hierarchical structure. Uh, lots of elders, staff, folks in leadership are friends, good friends. They enjoy spending time together. Uh, they've they had some early relational fractures. I've worked on that and come through it and. But now, and I'm going to quote you what this person wrote, one of them has become the lead pastor out of that group. And uh, he writes, we understand there are times when performance issues among our staff must be addressed. How do we separate our friendships from our roles and ministry assignments? At what point does the desire for healthy relationships and friendships among our leadership cloud our ability to confront each other and make wise decisions? As a lead pastor, I've always dreamed of doing ministry with friends, but it's act, but is it actually possible to, to develop deep friendships with other elders and staff without it creating more problems in the long run? Excellent questions. Now, again, as I said earlier, there is something called power. It's not a bad word. In fact, Jesus talked about it in, uh, for example, in Mark ten when the disciples were arguing about who is the greatest. Uh, and Jesus says to them, uh, you know that leaders of the, the rulers of the Gentiles exercise authority, basically empower and lord it over people. But he says, not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. So again, power is this capacity to influence others. It's, it's, so we steward, it doesn't belong to us. God gives it to us. Uh, and so in a church or in a ministry, uh, in the family as well, but we, we, we shepherd, we, we shepherd people, we steward our power with our gifts, our time, our energy, our money. And uh, again, think of power as the capacity to influence. And, and uh, so again, this person who wrote me this, uh, who's now the lead pastor, uh, now imagine they've been together for years. And so the question is, can I... You know, how do I do this? I've always dreamed, of, is it possible to have deep friendships with everyone? And yet I'm, the, I'm now the lead pastor with this position of power. And my answer to you is, is it possible? Yes, but with great difficulty, extremely uh, great difficulty, because you're now in a dual relationship. Uh, you, are, you have been given the role by the board to be the lead pastor. They asked you to be, in a sense, the first among equals. Uh, and so now you may be their friend. You're also their supervisor. Uh, you're, their, you're, the, uh, you're the lead. That's why they call it's called lead pastor. Uh, and so that's a dual relationship uh, you now have. Now, the question is, in this dual relationship, which role is primary? You see, if you just want to be uh, friends... Uh, then you don't 
want to be their supervisor because you have the capacity to fire them. Uh, you're responsible for hiring and firing and managing and supervising staff. And these the sta- the money, the the staff, the none of this belongs to you. The church belongs to Jesus. And your role is to steward a healthy culture there long term. Now, you want to always monitor and avoid dual relations as much as possible. But the burden to set the boundaries and keep things clear falls on the person with greater power. And the minute you became the lead pastor, you now have greater power uh, than others. Now, so so the close friendship, a close friendship by its very nature, uh, there's equality in it. In other words, I don't have something over on you. Uh, there's a... Uh, I don't. I don't. You don't. You don't have power over me. I don't have power over you. But once I now have the power to either I'm telling you what to do as an authority figure, or I can let you go from your job. Uh, that's a different kind of relationship. And uh, so now you're you're in a dual relationship. And I want. I, I think what's very important here is to say which is primary. And I would say once you accept that role of being lead pastor, that is primary because if you're going to lead, you can't have five visions. I know, I, I, I suspect, I, I know you, I know this person actually, and I had a conversation with him, and he's a collaborative leader, he's going to get input, it's not like he's a dictator or a narcissist by any means, but the point is he has been mandated with that role. So uh, it's going to take, now, if it can work, right, that you can remain great friends and you can be the leader, because we see that, for example, Moses was the leader and he had his siblings, Aaron and Mar- uh, Miriam, they were in senior leadership. Uh, David handed on leadership to his son Solomon. Peter and Andrew uh, were on the same leadership team. In fact, James and John, the brothers, they were on the same apostolic team. But it's really challenging. It takes great differentiation, uh, great uh, aware self-awareness uh, of one's family of origin because the question of how you deal with hierarchy, hierarchy is not a bad word, authority figures, uh, requires high-level maturity. So the relationships have changed now. In, the, in this team. Uh, and I would say to you, based on experience, uh, if you lead, um, which is what your task is in the next three, five, 10 years, it's very possible, and I'd say almost likely, that somebody will say, well, I don't really want to go in that direction. I think we should all agree, uh, and and I don't want to go there. And that it's it's possible that they may say, well, that's, and you say, that's okay, they're not bad, but uh, it's possible one will say, I'm going to go a different direction. Now, it could work, and that's fantastic. Uh, it all depends on the level of maturity and differentiation and visions, um, because a real shift did take place from you just being a group of friends leading the church or all, quote, equal. Even when you say everyone's equal, someone emerges as the person with greater power. What's important is you, you talk about it. So I would say, secondly, is um, you want to discuss the issue of power and hierarchy. Um the fact that you can let them go from their job, you're doing the job evaluation of them. They're not doing the job evaluation of you. Um, you have greater power. Uh, they're, you're evaluating their performance. You can make a change in the system for the long term. And uh, my history is I, I didn't. I, I, mine was very similar to yours. We were all friends, and you know, started out this church plant, and and uh, then I found myself in the role of as lead pastor to have to evaluate people's performance. And I did not want to let anybody go because I don't want to disrupt our friendship. Uh, So I lied a lot. I wasn't honest. Uh, But love does require honesty and 
clarity and respectfully. So I used to lie in job evaluations. They really weren't honest. And uh, so again, it took me years to sort all this stuff out. And so if your need is to be liked by everybody, that's a different issue. That's your issue. That's a validation issue, your need for validation, um, which uh, you know, then you're not leading, you're following, kind of like Aaron in, in Exodus 32. And so again, I, I, I'd say you're, you're, this, is, this is a great moment of your own development and growth, uh, but it's also a moment for the team. Uh, and, and you, in response to the elders as well, you're under the elder board and uh, you are responding to them. And so you may go camping with one of the elders, for example, but uh, the elders are the ones who are your supervisor and you report to them and they're giving you evaluations. And if you're out of line, uh, they too can fire you So or need to basically be able to discipline you as appropriate. So again, hierarchy is a healthy thing when done well in the servant spirit of Jesus. And we exercise power differently, but we are honest, clear, and respectful in the way that we exercise it. And all for the glory of God, thinking generationally. All right, let me move to the second case study here today. And uh, this is from actually a, a, in a Christian school environment, uh, K-12. to And uh, what's interesting is uh, this woman was a, was a teacher uh, for many years and then transitioned to become the dean of of students. And, uh, and so now is in a new role again. Uh, and she writes, I, this is a new role for me, moving from teacher uh, to a more administrative role. I'm not sure how this can affect fellow teachers. Uh, I've never been in this leadership position before. How do I relate to the person, the administrator as my teammate, yet also his employee? So really good questions. Um, and, uh, you know, how do I handle intense conflict and negativity that will come my way? So let's take it one at a time here. And, uh, let me, you know, you know, she writes, uh, I hesitate to talk to my administrator because he's very busy and I'm hesitant to initiate this kind of conversation with him. So let me, let me say again, first, you are, you're right. You have really a pretty dramatic shift in the system. So, but you're under this administrator. So, uh, you're under him, uh, sounds like a, a male, and that you want to initiate a conversation if he's not initiated with you because he is your supervisor. Uh, and what are his expectations? There is, again, not rigidly, but your, uh, what are his expectations? What's his, as he sees your job description? Uh, but he's your supervisor first uh, and you're on the same team. And yes, like Daniel, you appeal to authority and all that, but it's very important, you understand, you do work for him. Uh, and... Uh, and yet your teammates and making this school everything that you that God wants it to be. Uh, and now your relationships with all the teachers has shifted because you're not just simply teammates with them. It sounds like you are now uh, have a certain level of authority over them as the dean. So how will you handle intense conflict and negativity that comes my way uh, as it's bound to do? And I would say you'll handle it with great difficulty. It'll be challenging. It's going to be a, a real test of your growth and differentiation and maturity, but actually God's gifts in it. it you're, in a, you're in a more intense role of leadership, um, and leadership's a crucible, which means it's a fire that brings out levels of our own genogram, our family of origin, our own histories, our own triggers, our own vulnerabilities and wounds. But these are fantastic opportunities to mature and grow in Jesus. That's why leadership is, introduces you to yourself, and God is in 
the negativity and the positivity. He's in the easy times and the conflict times. Um, and, and I would be looking for God's invitations for your own maturity. Maturity. I, I consider one of the great privileges of my life was to be a pastor uh, for decades uh, because leadership just brought out all of my weaknesses and wounds and all my stuff uh, in a way that if I was simply a baker like my family or maybe a carpenter or a social worker, maybe would not have done the same level of intensity uh, and crucible. So, um, uh, yeah, is it the right fit is what you ask. Well, I like being in this position of leadership. Is it the right fit? Uh, and you write that I definitely need to spend more time with the Lord and reflect on my behavior, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I can assure you, will you like it? Sometimes you will, and sometimes you won't. Uh, it will be painful. I, I doubt you're a narcissist by what I can read here in your case study, but again, it will grow you like few other opportunities and tasks in life. But the wonderful thing about you know, leadership is it's the and, and power, it's the capacity to influence. You now are in a position to have an expanded influence in the culture of your school, of teachers. You're now actually a leader of, of leaders. Um, but make no mistake about it, if you're now supervising teachers on some level or maybe some other folks in administration, uh, your role with those fellow teachers also has shifted. Uh, you're not simply fellow teachers. You're actually now a supervisor. Um, so uh, again, dual roles, what's your primary role? And once you step into it within the organization at schools, you think, again, generationally into a healthy system, um, it's going to be, it's very important that you model a healthy culture uh, and healthy hierarchy uh, and healthy body life and teamness. You can have all at the same time. So um, you wrote this, I, I hesitate to talk to my administrator because he's very busy. And I'm hesitant to initiate this kind of conversation with him. We've always had a great working relationship when I was a teacher. Yeah, your, your hesitancy to talk to your administrators about, is about, this is about you. And you want to set up regular check-ins and get clear. And so you can exercise your role and power appropriately and hopefully humbly. So again, let, let me encourage you and everyone listening to this podcast, uh, what does a healthy culture look like? And we've written a little ebook called Church Culture Revolution, Six Qualities of a Healthy Church Culture. It applies to a school, applies to any parachurch ministry. It's called uh, you know, Church Culture Revolution. Check it out, emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. That's a free ebook, uh, and it gives you a nice overview of what does it mean to create a healthy culture. And the way that we dealing with power and wise boundaries is one essential task of creating a healthy culture. Culture. Again, that's emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture. Check that out. All right, let's go to the third case study here today. And I hopefully we'll get through at least four. Um, and uh, this one is a, uh, a parachurch ministry. And uh, again, this person's been on the staff. It's a large parachurch ministry. Uh, and they have been promoted to a, a, a role of significant uh, oversight and leadership over other ministry uh, members. Uh, and so what's happened now, folks he was on the same team with equal to, he is now their supervisor. And so he has switched from friendship 
to one person in particular to becoming their superior with authority and to make decisions that are important to him. And so there's been a lot of tension. We've had, I'm going to quote you now, some lines from his particular case study. We've had differing opinions on ministry strategy since I joined the team. Um, and I've been as supportive as I can, but I've been walking on eggshells uh, as I provide oversight. And um, something's not right, and I need to be more assertive. Every time I provide oversight, however, he does not respond well. And when we get into difficult conversations, he won't take what I say at face value. He always circles back and challenges it and wants to share how it makes him feel. So uh, how do you suggest navigating this dual relationship with, you know, with which as he's manifest reactivity, believing the worst intent from me and not respecting my authority? And then final quote, and then I'll make my comments. We've had differing opinions on ministry strategy since I joined the team. I'll quote that again. We've had differing opinions on ministry strategy since I joined the team. Well, based on my experience, and this has happened to me multiple times, this will probably not end well. Uh, by If you define ending well as easy for you. Uh, but again, God's in it. Uh, for him, God's in it for you. God's in it for the larger ministry that you're part of. Uh, remember, God's in our apparent, apparent failures and our apparent successes and our apparent setbacks and our apparent great moments. God's in everything. So there's a there's uh, there's a, a you know there's some work you need to do. I mean, there's a lot of history here, and uh, you know, for him for this to end well or him to be able to respond well, God's got to he's got to be very very open. God for God to move in his life. I mean, I'm talking about a real Holy Spirit revolution. Um, you can, But you can't control that on his end, but you can do your work on your end. You are the supervisor. You, you are promoted by the board and the senior leader of this you know, large ministry, and you've been set apart for the role and, and to shape the culture of this team. Yes, you have strengths, you have weaknesses, but you have vision and values yourself. You have a vision within the larger vision of the ministry um, and they did ask you to be the leader, supervisor. They did not ask him. Uh, uh, and that is, and you received it, you accepted it. Now, so you have a ministry philosophy of how you want to move forward that God's given you. Uh, and that vision fits within the larger vision of the of the ministry. So you need to do that um, and continue growing as a leader. Uh, so I, that's number one. You are, I want to affirm to you that you're the leader. Um, and I would let him know the vision God's given you for your team. And I'd share, make sure he share it with your supervisor, make sure he or she is in agreement with that, with that vision. And, but you're the team leader, uh, and they can respond or, or not. And, uh, it, it may not be the right fit for them at this point. They may not be able to make the switch. It, again, it takes a lot, one, it takes a lot of differentiation on their part, but also secondly, I think it takes a call from God. I think this is a natural, healthy transition a number of years ago, when I was leading uh, our church uh, in the early years, I, I was approached and a, uh, someone said to me, you know, you're a white guy leading a multiracial church. You know, who do you think you are? Uh, you just, you're a power hungry guy. And I, and I just remember having to sit back and you know, get centered and realize, oh no, wait, God had given me a, a vision to plant this church and start this church. And yes, I was a white guy with all my own wounds and limitations in this multiracial setting, but I had to get comfortable in my own skin uh, 
I was eager to eventually, you know, hand the thing off. Uh, but I knew I had a place in the history of what God was building here long term uh, to plant and initiate and lay some foundations to go forward. Uh, so you want to you want to build a team with those with people who are actually with your vision. They're they're not bad if they don't want to follow it. A God has a different assignment for them, and you want to help them transition. You want you don't want to make them a bad person. You want to transition them with dignity, affirm them. In fact, treat them doubly well in compensation if you end up parting ways. Again, this is normal in a growing dynamic organization. And yours, as you noted, is going through a big shift with the founder and the next generation, all that. You're not bad. In fact, I would go further and say God has set you apart for such a time as this. Again, your ministry is in a big transition. By making this transition, you are going to be able to bear fruit the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years going forward. And your ability uh, to follow Jesus at this moment in, in, in your ministry role is key to creating a healthy culture there for the next generation. It's a great learning moment, not just for you. It's a great learning moment for the whole organization. All right, this last one, the case study, is a different angle here. And uh, because in this case, it's from a founding pastor who's been there uh, almost 20 years. And uh, founding pastor, it's grown quite large, uh, almost 1,000 people. And uh, this person actually, uh, you know, called me. And so this case study, I asked them to put it in writing because it was so fascinating. Uh, And so... He found him. He's experiencing his authority and power being challenged by the elder board, uh, and it's something he has not experienced in the previous twenty years of the church's history. And uh, so he gave a couple examples of where he wanted to do an initiative. One was about you know had to do with giving money away from uh, they they ended up having a surplus of money, and he wanted to give a large portion of that away to some other poor churches in the area. Uh, and then secondly, it was a hire he wanted to make, and the board felt the person did not have the qualifications for that particular role. And they said no to him. They think it was a bad idea. And so he was quite upset about these two instances. And I think there was actually a third. Um, And he actually attempted to address it by going back to the board. uh, And they were open to talking about it. But they basically continued on their line of thinking and said to him no. And so, again, he had a couple of other smaller issues. uh, And so he he was upset. And here's what I said to him, uh, and I'll try to summarize it here in our final minutes. I said to him, and I, and I, I know this person, uh, and I said, you know, you are the founder, been there almost 20 years, you, you've built something wonderful here, and, but God is coming through your board. Uh, you're under authority of that board. Uh, you've mentored most of them and discipled most of them, and you are modeling good leadership by respecting their wisdom. And the fact that God has put them over you. And it wasn't like they didn't have a dialogue about it. These were not moral issues. These were judgment issues. And my point was God was speaking through them to him. Uh, He made his case. And the elders were actually quite unified in their perspective. And my response to him was rejoice. Uh, And uh, your goal is creating a healthy church. And this is actually says something about the health of your church, that these elders can actually stand up to you. Uh, and in a nice way, say no to you. Uh, if they couldn't say no to you, they're not really a board. They're just doormat. And that's very unhealthy. And what that says is this church has a very limited future uh, because if they can't say no to you as a lead pastor or can't bring any kind of correction to you on a real issue, 
uh, then you have way too much power and that's not healthy. And you want them to have this kind of power. So again, 1 Timothy 3, you're, you're one of the elders, you willingly submit to them, but you, you want to be aware of your power as the founder. Uh, founders have enormous power in, in, a, in a church or ministry. Preachers have enormous power. Um, but you want to be really giving that power away in appropriate ways, in a healthy way. So the pushback that they gave you was such an indication that they're doing a great job, and it gives me so much hope for the long-term future of your church. And then my second comment was, Tim, was that God's breaking your character. I mean, I mean, the guy's an excellent leader, but he's gifted, but he's got a shadow, and, and uh, he's entrepreneurial, he's strong, and and my comment to you is, this is a key moment in your ministry with Jesus, your, your following of Jesus, and uh, God's breaking you. Uh, uh, it's a great character test, a great character moment uh, for you. And uh, so you don't need to straighten them out. You want to thank them and thank God for them uh, and a gift. So again, I'm sorry I didn't get to all the case studies today. I have three other remaining here, uh, and there'll be a future. I'll do another leadership case study podcast in the future, but let me invite you again to send to me your case study at emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. Uh, it can be anonymous, and I will do this again, and I'll group them. Uh, or you can send me feedback on social media uh, as well, how this was for you. I got such positive feedback the other times. So I'd love to hear from you. And again, pick up that uh, ebook, Church Culture Revolution, Six Qualities of a Healthy uh, Church Culture at emotionallyhealthy.org slash church culture and send me your difficulty and challenges and I'd be glad uh, and love to explore and use use case studies to actually do teachings here through this podcast on you know every couple of months. So thank you so much. It's been a great joy to be with you. I pray God's blessings on you this day and look forward to seeing you again next week. <music>